Philippians 4, verse 10 to 14. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. We're wrapping up a series on verses you should memorize and why. These are the verses that we kind of know in the back of our heads if we've been around churchy stuff for a while. And this morning is a classic Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And to that I say, all things, all things. Uh, this verse is, when you hear a lot, it's used a lot in athletics. So you may know of an athlete or be an athlete who has held on to this verse as a way to get you through different things. Uh, while doing some research for this, I stumbled across this UFC fighter who has Philippians 4.13 tattooed across what I presume is his punching peck. Um, and I just, I just, there's some irony to this though, right? Like what? What is he hoping for in his sport? I can do all things. What are the things that he's going to do? Is it like, yes, God, help me just pummel that dude till he has a concussion and can never fight me again. This is what I want God to be helping me to do. What, what is he hoping to get out of it? And what happens when he loses a fight? Does that mean that God has abandoned him forever? That God is not with him, helping him do all of these things that he does? I think this is an innocent example. I mean, as innocent as, like, another dude beating another guy to a pulp for my viewing pleasure is. But <clears throat> there's, I don't think there's a, a problem with athletes holding on to this verse at all. I think this is, can be very encouraging. And when people give glory to God for the feats they've accomplished, that's a beautiful thing. That's not something I want us to disparage this morning. But I think to leave this verse in that realm uh, does it a disservice. Christianity uh, often ordains a lot of things. Uh, using Bible verses that aren't necessarily what maybe God hoped for or what God wants. I don't know if a UFC fighter with Philippians 4.13 on his chest was the intent behind this verse. And so we have to ask ourselves with verses like this that we kind of memorize and know, what, what are they for? How can they be used? What are they supposed to be used for? This, I think, is, is harmless. But verses taken out of context throughout church history have led to a lot of weird foreign policies. They've justified a lot of abuse in relationships, and they can affect how our entire faith journeys play out. So we do need to pay attention to these, and I think give them the honor and respect of looking at them in the context of how they were written to get a better grasp of what these verses are trying to say. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What are all the things? Who is this directed at? How do we read this now? We believe Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. Is he talking about himself? Can Paul just do these things? Can we do these things? Is this 
for a moment? Is this for a time? These are all questions that we have to ask ourselves in any part of the Bible that we're reading. And part of the fun of Bible reading is that we then get to talk about how we think about these things. So let me read the section that we had read for us one more time. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I'm referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share in my distress. As Brandon mentioned a few weeks ago from another passage in Philippians, the broader context outside of what I've just read is that Paul is writing this from prison. I don't know what this would have looked like if it was a dark cell. That's a possibility. He might have also been on some sort of like house arrest situation. I think we're kind of out as far as what the situation was that he was in. But we can assume that prison is just not a good time no matter where you are. Paul had lived a whole life that was pushing and pushing and pushing um, at the boundaries of the world and where Christianity was and as well as I think what his government was willing to like let him, allow him to do before finally clamping down on him. And it's kind of believed that this is near the end of his life that he's writing this. His prison sentence would lead to an execution and this might have been in his mind as he's writing this. And the things he refers to is contentment. Having little, having plenty, going hungry, being well fed. He has all of these and he's content with whichever one of these he has. He seems to be saying he's content with no food. Everything he talks about seems to have been an implication of how he's been suffering for this gospel that he believes in, that we read about in Acts that really transformed his life. He's acknowledging God when things are good, but also when things are bad. There's sort of this like stoic resolve to him, right, in this passage that like no matter what comes, I am like rooted in this and I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. And we read in Acts that Paul has a very dramatic moment of conversion, and he lives a very big life for Christianity that we have a lot of writing about. And when death itself is sort of what he's looking at next, this is not some sort of pithy quote tossed out when we don't know what else to say to the, someone, but it's something that I, I believe he was probably saying with very deep conviction that he'd lived. And as we read in Acts through the life of Paul and others, the Christian life is not an easy one. I think it's, I, I just struggle with the fact that Christianity has become so tied to the self-help movement that we're kind of in for the last little while. Um, and that often we forget the direct results of living like Jesus may result in us going hungry. Or maybe spending some time in prison. And Paul's speaking to his situation that he's had. The examples that we get in the Gospels that Jesus sort of lives out is not about just kind of becoming better self-actualized people, but about taking up our crosses and following him in this slow road towards this death that now Paul is facing. And he says this line with resolve. And I think we have to sit in that for a bit. I believe that Jesus was God in human form. That God in all his wisdom, when he was figuring out how I'm, okay, how am I going to live a human life so that they can get this a little bit better, chose G the way Jesus lived very intentionally. That this was his attempt at, this is the best human life that I want to leave them with as an example. And Jesus did hard things, and he called us to follow in hard things, and his life wasn't that long. 
through a combination of this sort of grand thing we've seen since the beginning of time of God working through humanity in the life of Jesus. And whether you believe that Jesus was divine or not, I think there is a sense that Jesus did a bunch of things that, that resulted in the society he was living in wanting to kill him. For all of these different factors, this was a walk to the cross, this life. So I think to leave this verse in sports is fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Or to, sorry, if we leave this verse in sports, it's not fine. But to have it in sports is fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with sports. Go Raptors. That was great. The Canadian sweep. Um, but ultimately, if we leave this in sports, I think it, it falls short of, of what we experience in the Christian life and what we experience in our, in our life no matter what it is because sports don't matter. Like, they, they are just a game, right? It's a game with a ball. And I, I'm not the first one to say that. Uh, Damien Lard is a, a star player on the Portland Trailblazers, and a quote of his resurfaced recently where he talks about, someone is asking him, like, what pressure do you feel? And when you're in the playoffs, when you're this close, what pressure do you feel? How, how do you manage the pressure? And he says this, and I'm quoting, pressure? Nah, fam. This is just playing ball. The Portland Trailblazers point guard replied, pressure is the homeless man who doesn't know where his next meal is coming from. Pressure is the single mom who's trying to scuffle and pay her rent. We get paid a lot of money to play a game, he went on. Don't get me wrong, there are challenges, but to call it pressure is almost an insult to regular people. And I like that perspective. I think that's something we have to keep in mind with this verse. The gospel is not speaking of home runs and game seven buzzer beaters, but about stepping into this uncomfortable lifestyle that seems to happen when we take the life of Jesus seriously. So I think we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. But that everything is this challenging life Paul is describing that he's lived out. The living out of the gospel in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. For those of us this morning who claim the identity of Christian, doing these things is, we have to do these things that we know is right. It can be easy to doubt when they don't go our way, right? When we step into this life of faith and we start to get hungry, it can feel like, okay, is this what I'm supposed to be doing or not? And we need to step into these. Rather than just look for reasons why it's kind of not safe or impractical. And I think athletics is an okay metaphor for us to use this morning. Um, because I, I'm not an athlete. But I hear when you work out that uh, muscles grow. You can tell by looking at me. I don't, I'm not an expert on this. Um... Actually, when I got this job, I, I went, uh, there was a, one of the first few weeks I was here, I went to uh, a, an event with the junior youth, and I was waiting in line to register us, and I was just looking around, judging people, as you do, and I was just like, man, there's a lot of out of shape youth pastors. What's going on? And this is like three weeks in, and then I started to be a youth pastor, and I started to like take kids to McDonald's to see how they were doing, and then like have snack twice a week, and if you're having a leaders meeting, you better have pizza for them to show up. Uh, to the point that last weekend when we were away, one of the youth who shall remain nameless said to me, you know, Graham, you've got like the classic youth pastor body. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with that. Is this like confirming my vocation? Is this like, man, you have to start jogging this summer? I don't know. But So I, I'm told that when you exercise, what you're doing is you are intentionally pushing your muscles farther than they've gone before. You're stretching them to the point that they break down and heal better. 
Please don't come at me for that. I clearly don't exercise. Um, but I think this metaphor and that this verse often finds itself in athletics is actually a really helpful place for us to look at it from because I think we have to push our behaviors and our habits and our wallets and our dinner tables and our social circles. We have to push them into an uncomfortable place so they can grow and we can continue to grow in this life. Are we in regular exercise that prepares us for the kind of faith that Paul and these other new believers were witnessing to? My wife and I live in a house with a few housemates, and it's a great time most of the time. And we uh, have taken a few stints and hosted people in our home. And this isn't because we think we're good at it. Like, I don't, th I don't think we're that good of a host, but we do it. And uh, after one uh, time we were doing this, we went through an exercise together where we kind of used this chart to track how we were doing. And we wanted to acknowledge that for each of us, there are going to be things about opening our home to people that it's just fine, that we're comfortable with might look different for all of us, this comfortable space that we're all in. And then there is this other hard line at the bottom of like, there are concrete boundaries. For me, it's stealing. I don't want anyone in our house who's going to just take my things and I'll never see them again. For me, that is a hard line that I am not willing to budge on at this point. There is a really big uncomfortable space of things that I know are challenging, that I, I get in my head are like things to push towards being comfortable with, that are still a challenge at the moment. And for each of us, it was a good chance to look and say, okay, where am I comfortable? Where is my, like, my lines, my boundaries that are important to have? But where is this space where I do need to push myself to sit in this uncomfortable space in this situation so that we can grow and become better at this work that we feel convicted about doing? And I think that's your challenge this morning. What area is God asking you to work and push into in order to grow stronger? and able, more able to live your best human life, this life that Jesus kind of put on an example of. Can you be content with whatever you have in that and not doubt that it's good if you start to come up against hardships? I don't know what that looks like for you. I think it's different for all of us because the work of the kingdom is big and there's a lot of different facets to us. But I think each of us needs to be trying to identify where is that uncomfortable place that we need to be going into and trust that we can do all these things through Christ who gives us strength. And I want to leave us um, with a different way of looking at this verse that I hope is more encouraging than challenging. And I think that's the choices that we need to make to see God in our circumstances, especially when it's hard. Because another way of emphasizing this verse when we read it is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We can do things on our own. We can choose to see, or we can choose to see God and rely on him in this work, in our days, in our commutes, in our parenting, in our relationships, to have a lens and kind of cultivate the sense that like, I am doing this through God, I'm doing this with God. I love that you two came up and read the verse together. Because I think that's a really helpful metaphor of a way we can start to see our life. That as Serena's speaking, Nadine is right there with her saying the same things. Coming alongside us, kind of doing it together and through one another. If we can cultivate that kind of mindset and perspective, I do believe that Christ is with us. That we can do these things through him. That he's there giving us strength. And sometimes that takes some thinking about to get there. We can do it on our own fine. And as trite as it is to say, 
I, I do think we can experience the sense of God. Or maybe it's a little cliche, but I, I really do believe that if we can cultivate this sense that everything is spiritual, that God is in this, we can do our day-to-day living through Christ, who gives us strength. And it comes through the submission of doing things through his way. I want to leave us with a, a bit of a long quote, but I think it teases out this dynamic a little bit. Uh, it's by Stephen Dintiman, um, and his church tradition is quite heavy on, like, um, doing things all the time for the gospel, right? And, and this is a kind of a challenge that I certainly need to hear, that I think some of us maybe do too, that um, are often maybe easier at just doing things and less in this sense of abiding that we see. He says that to be a disciple is not simply to do, but to be in a new way. We're called to be Jesus' friends, not merely his servants. We're given the privilege of being children of God. We're called to receive the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Until we can think and talk as passionately about receiving and being as we do about strategizing and doing. Until we get as passionate about praise and prayer as we do about social political analysis, we will remain spiritually impoverished. And to do that work of a disciple peacemaker is the strength of our own will. And with the illusion that our work brings peace is actually to live in unbelief and without faith. We will miss out altogether on what God has for us if we become so obsessed with doing that we skip lightly over Jesus' reminder that abiding in him is the precondition for bearing fruit. So the challenge is to think about where you need to step into relying on God's strength. Where is the area that you need to start to grow and stretch and build up that strength? And the encouragement is that if we can cultivate these habits and abide in Christ, he is there, and that is where the fruit comes in our life. Go Raptors. We're going to head to discussion. Uh, We've got a bunch of time for that this morning. I've got a bunch of questions to work through together as a community. Um, And as always, if you would like prayer, uh, we have some folks who will be praying uh, this morning just over on the side, and we can connect and do that as well. But whatever the week holds for you, I hope you have a good one.